0: Welcome to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. With your host, Dr. Mary Sanders, a medical intuitive and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Today on Energy Medicine, I will be joined by Liz Terry as a full-time yoga educator and rolfer. She began her journey of learning about the fascia and its role on How Well We move with Jill Miller in Yoga Tune-Up in 2014. Fascinated with anatomy, emotional healing, unresolved trauma, and how it pertains to disease, has been an area of curiosity for Liz since she can remember, which has guided her professional training and passions in life. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Dr. Mary, and I invite you to visit my website, www.drmarysanders.com to download your free guide to boosting your energy centers to experience more clarity, purpose, and vitality. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to today's show. With me today is Liz Terry. Liz is a full-time yoga educator since 2008 and since then has decided to take her education of movement and pain to another level with Rolfing in 2018. She began her journey of learning about the fascia and its role and how well we move with Jill Miller and Yoga TuneUp in 2014. From 2011 until 2017, Liz lived in Dubai, UAE, as a full-time yoga educator running retreats, trainings, and workshops as a guide on the healing path. And in 2019, she graduated from the Dr. Ida Rolf Institute in Boulder, Colorado, where she then went back to Dubai to offer yoga and rolfing for another few years. As of 2022, Liz is back here in Denver, Colorado. The title of her podcast today is The Power of Structural Integration. So welcome so much It is my honor to facilitate and to hold space for you in your area of expertise as a golfer and as a yoga educator. I know that the audience is thirsty for your knowledge and your wisdom, and I can't wait to dig in to hearing more about your experience, life experiences, and professional experiences, not only as a hands-on practitioner, but also living internationally as well. So Liz, welcome. Thank you. Thank
1: you so much. I am very, very grateful to be here, especially knowing that it's all about energetic medicine and how structural integration plays into that.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So let's jump into some of the juicy parts. I know that he gravitated um, as Liz and I were talking before we got started today, and she openly admitted to me that she's more in the realm of the mystic healer versus the anatomist. But let's be thankful for her um, anatomy knowledge, because that's what allows her to get deep within the integration of the fascia. So before we start, can you just explain to the listeners and to myself exactly what is fascia? And how and why is it such an integral part of the structural system? So fascia, interestingly, the history of fascia
1: started with Ida Rolf. Sometime in the 40s, 50s, 60s, I can't even remember, she was one of the first pioneers to say uh, during a cadaver lab, we need to study that. And basically what it is, is it's this web of tissue that interconnects and wraps around every single thing in our entire body. So it wraps around every muscle fiber, it wraps around every vein, every nerve, every bone. And they recently came out in the scientific world and called it the interstitium. So they actually call it now in the, in the modern science world, they actually call it an organ. It's a new organ. And it's a massive organ that just completely interwoven into every fiber of our being. And as a structural integrator, I work with fascia directly. And what I do is I listen to what the fascia wants me to do. The fascia is a very intelligent, rather, system. And as I listen to the fascia, it will actually guide me into where it's, it wants me to go. So it plays a role with the nervous system. It's a communication entity within our body. There's a lot. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. hmm but yeah, basically it is, it's, it's, a, it's a tissue system within the body that really is one of the most intelligent systems that we have that works to support our body in any situation with patterns that we create to support. If we have an injury or something, the fascia will actually help support the body to support that part of the body that's injured.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many things. Yeah. Wow. So I want to go back to the point that you made that they are now calling fascia an organ. So it really, by clinical definition, would probably be the largest organ within our body at this point in time, if that's what they're calling fascia.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's see what they say. They still say that the skin is the biggest organ. Uh Uh, So let's see. I mean, the beauty of science is that it's constantly changing. So we are constantly learning and fascia has been around, the knowledge of fascia has been around since Ida Rolf. um, Mm -hmm. So a while, but in the the modern science world, they're just catching up to studying Mm -hmm. it more and more. So it's it's a fascinating Mm -hmm. journey with fascia. I mean, there's so much more we still don't know, to be
0: honest. That's so true. And I've always said this to be the truth in that as practitioners, we experientially know the truth possibly, before it becomes a scientific proof. So I believe that you and I would agree that the fascia is the largest organ. And can we talk about like some of the characteristics? Because people can like tangibly think about the characteristics of what a skin is. But what are some of the characteristics of what a fascia is?
1: That is a great question. If you start to shear your skin... Um, on the most surface level, you can actually see fascia. You know, fascia goes from the most uh, like superficial layer of the, of the body of the skin to the deepest layers of the body. Um, mm-hmm. And the characteristics, I mean, like, there's so many, but the easiest one that I work with would be like a knot. Like, you, you know, we talk about a knot. I can work through that knot. It's, it's kind of like working with fascia is kind of like I explain like kind of combing out hair. So it, it would be like if there's a knot in your hair, I'm working to smooth out that knot so that the fascia actually is doing what it's intended to do. And um, I mean, the fascia is intended to do so many things, but n- mainly with the structural integration is it's working to help muscles glide. So, that we have each muscle has a role. And what fascia, what we work with the intermuscular septa, so in between each muscle, and we're working and connecting with that fascia in between so that each muscle will resume its role that it was intended to to be. So, oftentimes, muscles will get stuck because our fascia is, like I said, it's so intelligent that there's something in our pattern in the way that we move or maybe there was an injury or something that muscles get stuck. So what we're doing in structural integration is we're working that fascia in between so that we can get those muscles to glide and to work as they're intended. to. Mm -hmm. So the care, I mean, yeah, the characteristics, there's
0: so many. (laughs) So then let me ask you this, Liz, does the fascia receive a blood supply? That's a great question. It's more of like a
1: wetness. It's more of mm-hmm. like if when I'm touching fascia, um, when I'm bringing a- awareness to the fascia, it's actually more like a hyaluronic acid or like um, like there's. I mean, if you see it under a microscope, there's a wetness to it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if it's if it's stuck, that wetness starts to dry out. So. I uh, to be honest I'm not sure if it mm-hmm. receives blood supply in and what context you're you're meaning but it mm-hmm. does receive moisture and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how that when it attracts the moisture I always I always say it's kind of like the tin man you know from the wizard of oz like you know he he kind of oils up his joints and that's what we're doing with the fascia we every time we bring attention to the fascia and we're working out to remove those knots or whatever, those points of stickiness, we're mm-hmm. bringing hydration into mm-hmm. the fascia.
0: Great, great. Thank you for that. And then you used a word in my world, things get stuck. Mm. You can feel that there's it's not moving. as As you say, it glides with the moisture. And if it's not gliding and it is creating adhesion... Which then become knots, then they're blocks, and so I have a tendency to believe that any time within our physical structure, when something is blocked or not moving, then that's an energy that the energy flowing through that organ or that tissue is compromised, and so when the energy is compromised, it can be a storage spot. So when, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, but when it becomes a storage spot, it can be collective of trauma or it can be physical abuse, you know, the body itself holding on to previous conditions. So what a blessing that you get to support people on that healing path. So I'd like to hear from you, like, what has been the one most mind-blowing experience that you've had working with a patient as a golfer? Oh, my gosh. So I'll give one really,
1: really amazing experience that I've had among many. (laughs) So um, one in particular is a woman that I worked with in Dubai. She is of um, Indian descent uh, who grew up in the U.K., and had a lot of cultural trauma. And she had nerve pain in her arms and in her right leg that just would not go away. And when I saw her for rolfing, I said to her, let's see how this goes. And let's see how rolfing can help your nerve pain. Because I hadn't worked with that in particular, up to that point, I hadn't worked with nerve pain. So we worked up into the seventh session is where we work the head. So we work the, the neck, the clavicles, the upper back, and then we get into the neck, the compartments of the neck, we get into the face, even the cranium, and then we go into the mouth and into the nose. And the nose is what makes rolfing very unique. Actually, the mouthwork and the nose work is what makes rolfing really unique, along with the recipe that we use. And so I went into her nose and the right side would not allow me in. So I tried twice and it didn't work. And so she said, would you mind trying again in the next session? So I said, of course, we'll try it again. So we tried it again in in the eighth session, still wouldn't let me in. The ninth session, finally, her right nostril was ready to let me in. And so I sat there and she laughed for about five minutes, just couldn't stop laughing. And I just held my pinky finger in her nose for five minutes and I just held space for her and she hasn't had nerve pain since. So up until that point, she still had a little bit of nerve pain. It was getting better, but it was the moment that we worked on that block and whatever that block, I mean, the nose was just the location, right? That wasn't the, the block itself. And also the laughter was obviously the release of whatever she needed to release. I believe, and what she believes, is that because she was culturally, Indian families are very strict and she needed to feel free. And she was like, this is the first time I've ever felt free. It was one of the most awesome experiences. And the fact that the nose, you know, after the ninth session, finally we get to a place where something in her body just was like, I'm done. I'm done with this pain. And that was it.
0: That's a phenomenal story because you never think that your blocks are where you, where you physically within our body. So to go up the nose, that's very unique. And you have to applaud her because she knew on some intuitive level that she needed, you know, to open up that nostril. And so yeah. she didn't happen the first time, didn't happen the second time, but the third time she finally let you in. And sometimes it's difficult or you experience challenges as a patient going back in for more work in an area that you intuitively know is blocked. So what a great, great story. I love that. And I can't help but to imagine that as a female practitioner living in the UAE, you were in high demand. I was in very
1: high demand. I'm, I was the only operating a full-time in the in the Middle East. And it was fantastic. I mean, I worked with in two years, two and a half years, I worked with over two hundred people. And it was just wow. incredible. And from all from every walk of life you could ever imagine, from Africa, mm-hmm. from Lebanon, from Egypt, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, the emirates, and, and then of course, Australia, Europe. Um, Right. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. It was a brilliant experience.
0: So it sounds like you had a very eclectic expat community as well as locals. And um, for those listeners who may not be more familiar with the and Liz, you're obviously more of an expert in this industry. But uh, the women have some cultural belief systems as to a physician. Being able to unclothe and disrobe in front of um, a male physician is not an option. So to hold space, as you said, that you're holding space for these women, that's an intimate, really vulnerable position to be in. So especially when you're holding space, not only for the individual woman who is on your table, but you're holding space for the culture of that person as well. Absolutely. So what an enriching experience. That's just simply beautiful, in my opinion. Yeah, thank you. It was, it was, it was beautiful. And it
1: was, yeah, it was eye-opening. It
0: was very eye-opening. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, I have no doubt. And so I'm curious how, I mean, you've been into, you've been in saturated with yoga for many years. And so what led you down the path of saying, okay, I need to go and learn more about golfing. Was there a personal experience or Were you intuitively guided or how did that happen? (laughs) So I'm just going to
1: tell you the full story. Um, (laughs) So I was in the Amazon in the jungle of Peru and I was uh, was on a retreat exploring ayahuasca, a medicine of the jungle that combines two different plants and is something of we, they call it spirit medicine and it it basically guides you into understanding yourself on a on a more deep level. Something that meditation can take you after years of practice, and ayahuasca takes you, yeah, it, it can take you in a, in an evening of the depths of your soul. And I remember um during the ceremony, my hands were burning, and the message was that you have healing hands. And the, the spirit of ayahuasca, she said to me. I want you to work with your hands. And the thing is, I mean, I never wanted to, ma- to be a massage therapist and I had learned about rolfing in 2005. And I had, for whatever reason, I was recommending it to different people, even in Dubai, when I wasn't even, when I hadn't even done rolfing myself. I had no idea. I just knew from what I knew, of the little seeds that were planted in 2005, I knew it was a brilliant system. And, um, and so after that ceremony, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to go to rolfing
0: school. <laughs> that was, And that was that.
1: <laughs> and that was
0: that. Wow. Well, well, I will share with you that I spent a month camping in the Amazon doing plant medicine myself Amazing and amazing, amazing experience outside of Cusco in the, in the Sacred Valley. And You do. You do get the messages within the ceremony, provided that you're in a container in which is held in a very sacred way and um, and that you feel safe. Absolutely. And I can remember my first ceremony and it was shortly after my mother had passed away. And so I was scared to death, literally, that she was going to move through me, like during the ceremony. So I was like, okay, 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 okay. So I prepared myself for this, what my, I envisioned like this invasion of my mother's presence coming through my body. And, and so I was resistant to that. And then I hate to vomit. So, um, that was another obstacle that I. I was experiencing my first session. But so let's just say I'm thankful that I had a month's worth of ceremonies between not only ayahuasca, but also San Pedro. So powerful stuff. And I'm so thankful that you clearly listened to the messages and followed through with them because they are and can be really powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's
1: one of the most profound journeys I've ever taken in my life.
0: Mm. So. Mm. I'm curious, and I'm going to put you on the spot, and if you decline answering, I'll totally understand, but I use this the terminology that we hold sacred space for other people when we do work, and can you explain what that means to you, to the listeners? Some people are like, oh, yeah, I totally understand that. That's that's a container. That's a, a healing frequency, and other people are like, well, what, is that, what does she mean by that? What does it mean to you to hold space for another person in their healing journey? For me, the most important lessons
1: I continue to learn is the power of listening. And when there was a question that you asked about, what do you think energetic medicine is?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I truly believe that holding space is, is the medicine and holding space and sacred space is the amount of presence that you can offer someone. Because we live in this world where it's so fast, there's so much information kind of going, flowing all over the place. And what I understand about most, especially women in the world, is that we don't feel heard. And I think that there's this power in being able to feel heard. And I think Mm -hmm. there is a very powerful medicine within that. And when I hold space for people, it's for them to feel heard and it's for them to, it's to be a witness of their soul. You know, it's to be a witness of whatever their soul is needing in that moment and no judgment, just allowing that to happen.
0: So it's very, I take it very seriously. So I do too. And the last word, and it's the, it is the greatest honor for me to hold space as, as I feel that it is for you as well. And the last Mm -hmm. bit of what you said is to hold that space of compassion without judgment. When a spirit is looking to be heard or seen or felt, that's the most sacred opportunity for self-healing for other people. So I really, that's so beautiful. So beautiful how you phrased it. Thank you. Now, I w- I'm curious as to what kind of clients gravitate towards you. Do you have a certain like, do people come to you for nerve pain now? Do they come to you for structural low back issues or headaches? Or, I mean, who comes into your office most frequently?
1: Well, I am just kind of getting up and running here in Denver. So I will say that when I was living in the Middle East, the people who came to me were those with deep, pain, with pain that they didn't actually really f- fully understand. And it was either ancestral pain or pain from trauma, but it manifested as physical pain. But what mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. because Rolfing, for those people who don't understand or don't know what Rolfing is, it's it's a series of 10 sessions, and every session is different. So every session is the goal is to focus on a certain part, not only f- physically, but also physiologically. You know, like the first session is working, is connecting the, the rib cage to the pelvis structurally. But physiologically, it's all about the breath. So it's about kind of unlocking the breath. And that alone can be extremely liberating <laughs> for people like, oh, my gosh, I can breathe, you know. And every session is different and a different part of the body for very different reasons. I mean, Ida Rolf was brilliant. So to go back to the original question, I completely lost my train of thought. (laughs) Anyway, the point is, is that the the people who came to me, they were in pain in their body. But as we went through, they recognized like a memory would come up and tell you a, a very quick story of this woman who had migraines. She grew up in Lebanon and during the war, her family left to Canada. And she was eight years old when they left. And then in high school, she started getting migraines, like really debilitating migraines. She had them for 25 plus years. And she tried everything from acupuncture to chiropractics, to massage, to energy work, to Reiki, to everything you could possibly imagine. And so when I came back, she said, Liz, I will never stop because this is my life. I will never stop trying to find a solution, but I am like desperate. (laughs) You know, she would have to take this medicine that would just, you know, every week, every week she had a migraine. It was just bad. So we started on this journey together and about the fourth session in, she hasn't had a migraine since. And that was three Mm -hmm. years ago, four years ago now. And what happened was beautiful she recognized that there was so much emotional pain and from the trauma of growing up in a war zone where she heard bombs going off. And we don't understand, like we are in survival mode at that point. And we're, you know, animals in general in the wild, they shake, you know, they shake everything off when they're traumatized. We don't do that. We become, you know, either we fight, we freeze, we numb, we flee, we we don't focus on this part of our healing process. And so all of that came out and she wrote in her journal. She, you know, she let out her anger. She cried almost <laughs> between every single session. She had so much integration that was so beautiful. And it was just incredible to witness. I feel so blessed to do this work. Absolutely.
0: Mm. So- it never ceases to amaze me how trauma gets stored neurologically within not only the brain but the central nervous system and the physical body. And then as you mentioned earlier, it gets stored and represents as a pain pattern, but the, you know, pain is the location of the pain is never really the, the 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 root of where it's coming from. And as a practitioner, people can come in and say, "Oh, I have low back pain. Oh, I have headaches. Oh, I have numbness coming down my arm." And then, you know, I always ask the question, well, if you intuitively knew what was going on with your body, what is your body telling you? What would it say? And some people are like, I have no idea. And they're really disconnected. And then other people will say, well, I think I have an idea, but it's not really related to, but it's always spot on. It's just how the body and the vagus nerve and how the trauma gets stored in the tissues, within the fascia, within the physical organs of the body is just the human design of the body never ceases to amaze me. Absolutely. It really doesn't.
1: I've been having this conversation with people recently about we really truly don't understand how incredibly powerful our bodies are and how magical they are and brilliantly made <laughs> they are i mean the fact that we have a heart that continues to pump every moment of every day until our last day and the the fact that we can think you know the fact that we can come up with ideas and the fact that we don't understand how brilliant that is we are also so disconnected from whatever it is that you know our consciousness the universe the the magic that envelops Us, you know, it's Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. when we can feel embodied. I mean, even when I started teaching yoga, and when I started to learn more and more about fascia, and then I went to Rolfing school, I was like, oh my gosh, yogi people who do yoga are so disembodied. That includes myself. I was like, I am not in my body, I'm being taught to focus on everything outside still, which is not the purpose of yoga. (laughs) So Mm Now my whole intention of teaching, my intention of rolfing is to help guide people into their body because our bodies are the vessels. Like you were saying, when there is a block in the body, there is a block in our energy. And when we have this clear vessel, we have so much access to the wisdom that is within, without, everywhere around us, You know, within nature, everything. We have the ability to listen to the subtleties that that life and that our bodies are constantly telling us, all these messages. And so mm-hmm. I think that developing that listening skill is sacred. And we have lost that sacred, that respect for the sacred for sure. Mm-hmm. So
0: and I love that you're tapping in and talking about the body's innate wisdom to heal itself when we truly are listening. And to the subtleties, not only of the messages that reside within our physical body, but the messages that reside in the energy system surrounding our body. And so just the, the awareness on that subtle level gives us and provides us with the opportunity to heal from within and to heal ourselves it's not necessarily you know handing over our power to a uh a, a physician to heal or to hand our power over to a medication to heal or a certain therapy it is truly finding from within the empowerment of healing thyself absolutely so that's just that's so 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 sacred as you said so share with me Liz what are you up to these days and how can people find and connect with you
1: Yeah great so I am working in Denver I have an office in Denver at a yoga studio and I'm working I'm doing structural integration out of that it's called the River Yoga down it's right next to the art museum I'm also teaching at a studio called Karma Yoga in near DU on Pearl Street and then I'm looking to teach at a couple more, at least one more studio. So I'm I'm on my, my search to do that. The biggest thing that I love to do along with rolfing is teacher trainings. So yoga teacher trainings. I've been working with people to get back into trainings. And I may be working in Maybe teaching trainings a few times a year in Costa Rica and Peru and things like that. So my heart is with really educating and guiding people into their power and into themselves, and, and I do that through you know through yoga education and
0: through Rolfing. Through so mm, I love the combination. I've been practicing uh, yoga since I have been 21. Oh my gosh. And awesome. I can, I know just a couple of years, she's looking <laughs> at me saying, wow, that's a lot of years. It is. It's a, its about 30 years. I can honestly say I am not the most Bindi person and my practice is evolving, meaning that it's just more of a pranayama and a mindfulness and a listening practice opposed to getting into the really deep postures and compromising the structural integrity and, yeah, I love the fact that how you're showing up in the world. And I'm certain that your trainings are just beyond powerful. Thank you. So yeah, Liz, I'm looking at your information and it appears as though your website is essentially your name. It's www.livterryyoga.com. So www.livterryyoga.com dot yes. com. And I'm assuming that you've got your email address there and people can reach out to you via that avenue and connect with you. And I'm certain that you have modalities that I know that you're very much hands-on, in-person, one-to-one, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of our listeners reached out to you for a virtual or a remote consultation just to kind of hear how you might be able to guide them remotely in that way. So there's so much gratitude. My heart has been blown open to really connect with another practitioner that holds the container for the sacred space for others to heal themselves. So it's a blessing to me to know that there are other people holding that space as I do uh, because the world needs more of it and much gratitude for what you do and how you support others. So thank you so much for your time your wisdom, your love, and your compassion today, Liz. Thank
1: you so much.
0: I really appreciate it. And I hope to meet you in person. And we're going to make that happen. You can count on it. And for those of you listening to the podcast, Energy Medicine, please stay tuned for this short message. And we'll be right back. You have been listening to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. For more information about Dr. Mary Sanders or our podcast, please check out our website at www.drmarysanders.com. Thank you for listening.